Amen. All right, Colossians 3, 5 through 7, it says this, English Standard Version, ESV, says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you once, or you too once walked when you were living in them. Now, I know it's 2023, and there's a lot of preachers who would just skip that section. But how many people know that if there's ever a time when the body of Christ needs to live holy? Amen? It's absolutely crazy out there. Amen? And here's the truth. If it was not for the grace of God, while we're looking at everybody else like Lot's wife, <laughs> the truth of the matter is we'd be caught up in the same things if it had not been for God who told us the truth and empowered us to live. Amen? So I want to talk to you today, briefly from the title, Empowered to be Pure. Empowered to be pure. Amen? All right. Now, before this third chapter and even before the second chapter, what Paul does is he glorifies Christ. He shows the people who are reading the letter how awesome, how majestic, how absolutely necessary it is to keep your eye on Jesus. Amen? He shows him to be above all, all powerful, thus the source of holiness, the source of our salvation, the one, the only one who has purchased our forgiveness, the only one who has grafted us, thank you Holy Spirit, into the family of God. And the only one who can keep us there. That's the second chapter. He is the source. He is the power source. Amen? Amen. The Holy Spirit living within causes us to live holy. It is not by our own doing. Really briefly, I just want to kind of go back a little bit just to set this up. Colossians 2, 8 through 10. Colossians 2, 8 through 10. I like the new clarity on the screen. Praise the Lord. Colossians 2, 8 through 10. Do we have it? If not, I'm going to read it. Maybe we don't have it. Maybe I messed up. But all right, we'll just go. It says this. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies, high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the, watch this part, spiritual powers of this world. Amen rather than from Christ. Amen. That's why we don't try to look too deeply into the mystical things. We got deep folks that know all about the, angel, the angelic kingdom and the demonic and all that stuff, and they get all into that, involving the spiritual powers and the angels and that stuff. And sometimes if you go too far with that, you end up in witchcraft. Amen. Reading tarot cards and it ends up with confusion and pride. 
And God is not the author of either of those things. Amen? Deep people messing with stuff they really don't understand. Talking to dead folks and <laughs> all that craziness. To try to get an edge on how to live for God or get close to God or be one with God or understand God. And verse 9 says this, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Key verse, verse 10. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head of every ruler and authority. He's over all that stuff. All those entities, all of those, the, the rulers and the, and the principalities, he's over everything. So we just go to Christ, amen? And then Colossians 2, 16, same chapter, 16 and 18, says this. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, for not celebrating certain holidays, new moon ceremonies, and Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows, verse 17 says, of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Everything's in Jesus. Verse 18, don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial. Don't do this, can't do that, can't go here, can't go there, can't be a part of this, can't, you know... You know, or, or saying that they've had visions or, you know, worship of angels. You see it? Their sinful minds have made them proud. Amen? And then the last verse before we get back in three again. Colossians 2.23. Colossians 2.23. He sums up the second chapter saying this. These rules seem wise. And this is really the whole crux of the matter or the, the main point he's fighting against in Colossians in this letter. These rules seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial. Oh, I messed up again. Let me beat myself. I can't get it together. I don't have the strength. I, I blew it again. I sinned again. Let me beat up all on myself and maybe that'll make God like me or give me some power or something. He feels sorry for me. Oh, you poor child. You just can't do it, can you? Let me help you. Go beat yourself again. You know, self-denial, I deny myself this, deny myself that, you know, severe bodily discipline, you know, I'm going to fast 240 days and pass out. And then maybe then I'll be able to live holy. How you doing, Brother Jamie? I'm dieting. <laughs> what are you doing? Living for the Lord. This is not a great representation of Jesus. Nobody wants to follow you. You look like you have that. Okay? They provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Ah. So now, let me just kind of briefly, before we get into chapter 3, let me just say this. The sexual urges, desires, those things are not controlled by your willpower. Somebody has already failed in here, and his name is David. But if we're honest, we know this. I'll never do that again. I've learned. I'm smarter now. And then we end up in the same situation. How did I do this? Why am I not getting better at this until I turn 80? 
What's wrong with me? I fell for it again. Where is this coming from? Right? We've all been there. Amen? What we need is the power of the Holy Spirit to help us with sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because the truth of the matter is, verse 6 says, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you, too, once walked. Uh, when you, past tense, were living in them. Amen. Now, turn to Luke, the first chapter, 26 through 38. I just want to set this up a little bit more before we go into verse, uh, chapter 3. Luke 1, 26 through 38. I just want to use a story that we all know about, but I want to kind of paint a different picture here just to kind of help us with this third chapter. It says in the sixth month Elizabeth's pregnant, of Elizabeth's pregnant, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. We know the story, right? Mary was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Verse 30, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You have found favor with God. Amen? Keep, keep verse there. Verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary hears all this, and she asks a very obvious question, which makes sense. Mary asks the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. Mary quickly recognizes there's some missing components here to make this happen. Amen? Naturally, we know how this goes down. I have never been with a man. I'm, in, I'm engaged, but how am I going to be the mother to this Messiah? Amen? The angel replied, ooh, 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 ooh. This just messes me up. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will, underline this, overshadow you overshadow you. Overshadow means spoken, it's spoken of divine power and influence. It means to rest upon you. Amen? Power and influence rest upon you. And he says, so the baby will be, the baby born, uh, to be born will be holy. Now, Mary is engaged and what she is thinking is how this normally happens, and she will do what they people what we normally do, amen, in order to have a son. But in doing that, that doesn't mean that your baby's gonna be holy. What comes from you, in order for it to be holy, it's gonna be there's gonna be a need for the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody catch that. 
can produce nothing that is holy without the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me? So the Holy Spirit is going to do this, Mary, and the result will be that whatever comes out of you, Mary, is going to be holy. Are you hearing me? Amen. And the angel spoke the word and the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. Nothing else is there. Are you catching me? Not Mary working hard to produce holiness. Not Mary doing her own thing to do holiness. No. There was two elements. The angel spoke the word and the Holy Spirit overshadowed in power. The impossible is being done because we have the word and the power. Are you catching me? Nothing else is missing. I mean, nothing else is added. Don't add something else there that's not there. Are you hearing me? The angel did not empower her to obey. He just gave Mary the word. Amen? Now, angels can protect Mary from danger, but angels cannot protect Mary from Mary. What we're going to need for Mary to be protected from Mary is we're going to need some power from the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The only one that does that is the Holy Spirit. Now that Jesus has died and has rose again from the dead, we are now, he is now free rather to send the Holy Spirit so that we would be born again when we hear the word. Now notice this, the angel nor any religious asceticism, nor any uh, human willpower, ceremonialism, none of that can get Mary to obey the word. Nor can those things stop you and I or help you and I. You know, those other things that we want to add from human invention, nor can those things help us obey the word. What we need is to hear the truth and power to do the truth. That's it. Amen? Only two things that work here. Mary hears the word and the Holy Spirit empowers her to do the word. Now, we have the word. I don't know about you, but I don't get angels knocking on my door in El Sobrani. Jamie, let me tell you what. <laughs> I got to say something to you, Jamie. No, it doesn't happen to me. And some people, <laughs> they believe that happens every day. But for me, I have the word. You have the word. The power of the Holy Spirit keeps us from doing what we should not be doing. But here's the thing. Hold on to this point. I'm going to say it again because I want you to get this. Mary heard the word and the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. That's why we should never worship Mary. Because Mary, the Holy Spirit overshadowed her, which means the Holy Spirit rested on her. Like in the days of Samson. Amen? But with the church, the Holy Spirit rests and lives in. The believer. Amen? So Mary's not God. She ain't got it like that. But we do. Did you know that? Do you understand that? He's not resting on. He's living in. Amen? The Holy Spirit fell upon her. She hears the word to help her complete her mission. The Holy Spirit lives in the believer, helps us to complete our mission. The mission and instructions that we are given 
just like Mary, come from the word. The angel delivered the word. Guess what you got? The word right in your phone, right in your laptop, right in your lap. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You got the word. What's my mission? Why am I here? Get in the word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Be like Jesus in everything that we do. Mary's life was changed when she heard Gabriel tell her what was getting ready to happen. In that moment, Mary had a brand new identity. She received instructions. She received a mission. She received purpose. Amen? She went from being a poor young virgin to being the mother of the Son of God. Are you hearing me? With one word. Amen. And just like that, her life was changed. And she says later on in that moment, I am the handmaid of the Lord. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to thy word. So here's the point. She hears the word, but the obedience for her to say, yes, let's go ahead and do this, had to come from the Holy Spirit. Two things. The word and the one who empowers us. The Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me? But Mary, saints, is no better than anybody else. Okay? However, she was chosen. And guess what? So are we. We have our instruction, the word of God, and we have the Holy Spirit who empowers us to do the word of God. And we have our identity given to us from the instruction. So we have all we need. Amen? Amen. He gives us the power of the word. He gives the one who empowers us to live it out. Amen. Now, Colossians 3. That's just my setup. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Word of God reads, if then, and we went over last week, you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. <laughs> Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Put your heavenly, heavenly thinking into daily practice. Amen? Think about where Jesus is, where you will be soon with him. Amen? Not where you are right now. Think about the realities of heaven. So what is he saying? He's asking a question, basically. Where's your mind at? What are you thinking about, Jamie? Huh? Get your mind off of that and get your mind on Jesus. Amen? Verse 3 again. For you died to this life. Wow. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. There is a life that we are used to. There is a life that is easy to see. When we come to this planet, we instantly start living it. Amen? This life that we are used to and that we are experiencing now is something that we are, that we are accustomed to, but it is not our real life. I said to you last week, that's the fake life. Amen? Your life is hidden from others 
They don't really know who we really are. Verse 4 talks about when Christ appears, we will also appear with him in glory. Amen? They don't know who we really are because the truth is, is that that life will not be revealed until Christ comes. And they go, oh, he is the Messiah. And look, there's Beverly. There's David. There's Belinda. There's Pastor Rick. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You guys are with him. We will be glorified. They will see that we belong with Christ. So it's hidden from others, but it's also hidden from us. We don't really have an idea of who we really, really are. Because we're so used to living this life. So what, we, what he's saying is you got to get your mind on things that are above. Not on things that are beneath. Amen? Verse 3 again. For why? You died to this life. Dead to the world. Dead to sin. Did you know that? Dead to earthly pleasures. Did you know that? I don't know about that, Pastor. Wait, hold up. Wait now. Hold up. <laughs> Wait. He had to kill up everything. I mean, come on. Amen? Dead to living off of that where those things control you. Amen? The idea that the apostle came up is literally dead in the tomb. Amen? So we are virtually connected with Christ. We have become dead to sin. Amen? Dead to worldly influences. Dead to worldly ambition. Ooh, I'm going to get that. 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 I got to have it. 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 Ooh, ooh, ooh. Remember, you're dead. We are to be to those things as if we are dead. Consider yourselves, as it says in Romans 6, dead to sin. Amen? They no, more, no longer have ultimate influence over us. Amen? These things are dead to us. These things are in the grave. Now, here's the other side of that. So now that we understand identity phrases that tell us who we are, that we are no longer alive to sin, he says now practically on an everyday basis, this is where we are in verse 5, so put to death the sinful earthly things, what does it say? In you. Living translation says lurking. <laughs> well, I'm saved. But it's lurking. Am I right about that day? Impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Let's define some terms here. Put to death the sinful earthly things lurking with you like sexual immorality. Mortify, kill those things. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, because you know who you are, and you're setting your mind on things above and not on the earth beneath, you are putting to death, help me Holy Spirit, crucifying, mortifying those things that are in the body, those desires and passions. Amen? Sexual immorality, what is that? Illicit sexual intercourse, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, lesbianism, intercourse with animals, and it says etc. 
which is like, okay, well, how far are we going to go? What else are you into? Amen. Fill in the blank. Amen. Put to death sexual intercourse with relatives. <laughs> all that stuff. Hell yeah, folks. Come on now. Folks are doing all kinds of stuff. And I'm telling you, you would be too without the life of Christ living in you. Put to death impurity. That is physically or morally uncleanness. Uncleanness in a moral sense, the impurity of lustful, luxurious uh, living and impure motives. Put to, put to death passion and evil desires. I'm going to lump that together because it's pretty much saying the same thing. Passion is lust and evil desires is seeking after someone. Plotting. Planning. Fixating. You know, the one you're trying to have. At church, dropping hints. You see, I'm gonna put it out there, see that bike. Put it to death. Amen. And it's time to pray at church. You're checking folks out. Where's your mind? Now we can go there. But he's telling us that we put it to death because what? We know something now. We understand something now. I died to that stuff. And I am now living in Christ. Amen? Amen. Put to death passion out of control. That's basically what he's saying. Amen? And covetousness, which is idolatry. Now, some people think that this is in context talking about he just switched subjects and went to, you know, talking about money and getting things. I don't believe that. You know, I'm not a genius at everything, but I just believe that this is staying in a certain context. I think when you just, when you write a letter, there's a certain flow. You want to introduce a certain topic, you kind of don't just jolt it like that. You know? So covetousness or greed is relentless urge to get more for oneself. In this context, I believe Paul was probably focusing on the greed of satisfying your flesh. Sexual immorality again. I... You know, I have what God wants me to have, but I'm not satisfied with what God wants me to have. I'm a little greedy. I want to collect people. Chicks on the sides, dudes on the sides, married with extra folks, and we all have an understanding. You're greedy. Covetousness. Amen? We've seen it happen. Amen. What's going on? The greed is described as idolatry because it's focusing on filling desires rather than pleasing God. You got another God. You are out for self and not God. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And he says, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these things you once walked, you were, when you were living in them, when you were living in them. How many people can, let's just be honest, maybe you don't want to talk about what you're doing now, but let's talk about your past. How many people have ever lived in sin, other than me? Where you walked in that thing. Some people thought that that's who you just were. 
I just came here, little hack. Right? There was, I, I made up theological arguments in my mind to help me to live in what God was trying to pull me out of. I had ideas that was like, well, that just doesn't make sense. Why would God do that? I can read the word, see what he's saying, and some kind of way, find a way in my mind to go, let me make this right. Because it can't be that God is really saying that. Come on now. Let's just be real up in this place and up in, up in the Bay Area. Let's just go ahead and tell like it is. I made this thing make sense while I'm reading the word saying thou shalt not. lived in them. Come on, Holy Spirit, help me with this. I lived in that mess. And because of my thinking, because of my belief system, and when I, you know, sometimes I would get convicted and want to stop and then go right back into it. Well, maybe I won't do it this week. You and me, me and Mrs. Jones, we're going to take a break for a month. And before you know it, you know, going to hell from the front row of the church. I'm just going to be honest with you. I did it. And I regret it. This is not what I would call my glory days. This was terrible. Because I realized that later on, I was sitting against God. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I know it's not popular. I know people don't talk like this. I know this ain't going to get us a lot of, you know, Facebook likes. But the bottom line is, if there was ever a time when people need to tell the truth, not just for ourselves, but for the next generation that's coming. This is it, y'all. I don't know what's coming next. It's getting absolutely crazy. And how I know is Rick and Dave send me craziness on my text messages all week. Have you seen this? Oh, my. And I'm like blown away. I'm like, has it gotten this far? You know why? It's not that the people can't hear the word or read the word or... See the word. You know what the problem is? The representation. That's the problem. If I go to a nightclub and I see everybody dancing a certain way, I'm going to keep it cool. Because everybody's, you know, but if I just break out. And everybody starts looking at me like, what are you doing? Then what I do naturally, I kind of go, oh, you mean this? Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I pull that on back in. Well, if the Christians are going around doing all kinds of stuff that the world is doing, think about it. There's no restraint. Amen. But here's the thing, saints. Verse 7 says, in these, uh, these things you... Walked in them when uh, you two once walked. Did I make a mistake here? Yeah, I sure did. Okay. Can you give me verse 7? Caution. Yeah. Is that it? Okay. Verse 7. Okay, that's what it is. Okay. Now, on account of, uh, verse 6 actually is what it is. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. But in Colossians, the King James Version, the one I mainly study out of, it says this. Can you got that, King James? Give me King James, uh, uh, 
Colossians 3 and 6. I hope I gave that to you. It says this, For which things the sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. That's missing from the other translation. So this is giving us in King James a little clearer view of who he's really talking to. Children of disobedience. Um, And in Ephesians 2, 1 and 5, we hear this. Ephesians 2, 1 and 5 says this. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in your trespasses and sins, right? Where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. There it is. Living in it, right? According to the prince of the power of the air. That means that's your daddy. Amen? The spirit that now worketh in the, what? Children of disobedience. It says it there again. Among whom also we had our own conversation. means our lifestyles were tied up in being children of disobedience because we were walking according to the one who had taken us captive. Amen? And held us hostage to do his bidding, as the word says. Amen? Amen. In time past, our lust, fulfilling what? The, the flesh, the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Where is your mind? I'm going to do what I've been thinking. Are you hearing me? Amen. And, we're, and by nature, we're children of wrath, destined for destruction. On my way to hell, can't think nothing else because that's all I got in my mind. There's no hidden life in me to get me to go, you know what? Maybe I need to start thinking of something else. Are you hearing me? Amen. But here's the thing. Verse 4 says, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us, given us life together with Christ. By grace you are saved. So even when we were at our worst, God looked at that, was not so ashamed by what we were doing, saw us at our lowest, brought us new life, gave us forgiveness, and quickened us, caused us to live for him. And I know this to be true, because in my own life and where I'm struggling even today, the only one that is keeping me is the Holy Spirit. The only one. Nothing else makes sense. Are you hearing me? I know this is not me. But here's what I want you to see, saints. All of these things that I'm mentioning here, all the scripture I'm giving you, all these things are identity phrases. They're all identity phrases. Everything I'm saying to you is not, you better stop. Everything I'm saying to you is, do you know who you are? Catch that. Watch this. We are a chosen generation. We are royal priesthood. What is royal? mean? that means we, we, we come from a lineage of holiness. <laughs> We've inherited something. Are you hearing me? There's a king and king, king of kings and a lord of lords sitting on the throne who has never sinned, ever, never done anything wrong. He is passing that heritage, that inheritance down to his priesthood, the chosen folks. He calls us royal priests. Now let me go into eight, Leviticus 8 and I think I'm almost done. 
Because you guys do communion. Oh, I love this. I love this. Is this all right? All right. Leviticus 8, 1 and 2. This, and I want you to take a look at it, because when, when you get a chance, just read through Leviticus 8 and chapter 9 as well. But what's, what's happening here is there's, it's the ordination of the priest. Okay? I'm just going to read a few verses, and I want you to kind of get a picture here. Then the Lord said to Moses, bring Aaron and his sons along with their sacred, uh, their sacred garments. Sacred garments are outfits. Okay? The anointing oil, the bull for the sin offering, the two rams, and the basket of bread made without yeast, and call the entire community of Israel together at the entrance of the tabernacle. And then skipping down to the 23rd verse, same chapter, 823. And Moses slaughtered it, the sacrifice, and then Moses took some of its blood and applied it to <laughs> the lobe of Aaron's right ear and the thumb of Aaron's right hand and the big toe of Aaron's right foot. Next, Moses presented Aaron's sons, the priesthood, amen, and applied the same sacrifice blood to the, the, the blood to the lobes of the right ear, the thumbs of the right hand, and the toes of their right feet. And he splattered the rest of the blood against all the sides of the altar. So we got blood. We got anointing oil. We got uh, a very serious ordination for the priesthood. And then verse 34 says this. Everything we have done today was commanded by the Lord in order to purify you. Talking about empowered to be pure. Making you right with him. Now, here's the instruction. Stay at the entrance of the tabernacle day and night for seven days. <laughs> and do everything that the Lord requires. So here's the thing. I want you all to put blood on your thumb. Put blood on your ear. Put blood on your big toe. There's oil being anointed. There's splattering the blood all over the place. There's sacrifice. What does it signify? It's signifying that there's been a life change. These people were called out of a certain family, and one day they were doing one thing, and then the next, just like Mary, they're doing something completely different. Are you hearing me? Amen. Settle in your mind now that this is your new life. <laughs> Stay at the entrance of the tabernacle. Don't leave the tabernacle. Stay within God's boundaries. I want the people to see you up in there so that I know that you belong to God. You're set aside for holy use. Don't be going in and out. No, no, that's confusing the people. We are set aside for God's holy use. Put some blood on your ear. You only listen to the instructions of God. Nothing else is coming through. You don't believe nobody else's report but the Lord. You do what I say and what I say only. Put some blood on your right thumb. Everything you put your hands to do ought to be holy. Put something on your right foot. Every place you go ought to be holy. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't get confused and stay there for seven days. I want you to marinate in this thing. Who are you? You're my set-aside priest. You are holy. You are set-aside. You're a royal priesthood. You are there for me. Listen, here's the thing. Some people may say, when you get older, go, Pastor, I don't want to do no, I don't want to be no priest. I don't want to work in the ministry. Because priests don't get to do nothing. <laughs> Very few people say that they want to go into the priesthood. Here's the misunderstanding. When you got saved, you became a priest. Oh, when blood was shed for you, you don't just put it all on your ear. And your <laughs> when the blood of Jesus Christ was shed for you, he bought your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the reason why I am a priest and I'm happy about it is because I understand that he paid for my sins. This blood makes me right with God. I would be on my way to hell if it had not been for God giving his son on my behalf for all the dirt and the craziness that I did, not knowing who I really was. Uh, but here's my point, saints. All of that, do you see Jesus in the first chapter? Do you see what gets in the way of, of, of Jesus in the Colossians, the second chapter? And then the third chapter, now this is what you do. You are, you know, you are living holy for God. You are new creatures. You are rose again. You are dead to sin. Are you seeing what's happening? What happened here is he said something very interesting. He's telling us who we are. My point is, is that when we, the church, tell our teenagers And the young folks who are just as hot now as we were then. And we tell them, don't you get in the fornication and don't you do this and don't you do that and don't you mess up your life and blah, 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 blah. They said that to me when I was younger. Now, it didn't mean that my, my father didn't preach identity because he, he showed it. But I didn't hear it. Okay. And in the community, it wasn't enforced. It just wasn't. Let's just be real. What I heard was do's and don'ts, like a lot of other folks in the church. What they never told me is, Jamie, guess what? You're a priest. That sounds different. That kind of, wait a minute, wait. What are you saying? I'm not going to trip off of what you're trying to do. I'm telling you who you really are. You're a priest. You're set aside for God's holy use. Amen. Jesus paid for you. That's not who you are anymore, Jamie. When I get on my kids about things, I have to make sure that I remember to implant identity. Not just tell them that they're messing up. And pointing the finger. Do you know if you keep doing this all day to somebody, they're going to just believe it? You got to balance that out with, by the way, this is who you are. Are you hearing me? 
Some of the stuff we got into was just because we didn't know who we were. We lived under condemnation and couldn't get it right. And they pointed the finger at everything I was doing. I was so focused on what I was doing wrong, I didn't get a chance to look at Jesus. <laughs> I never saw the overcoming power in Jesus. So this week, I'm looking, you know, at my kids, and I got time, you know, I'm dealing with myself and trying to, you know, I'm a red-blooded 50-year-old man. I ain't dead yet. And I noticed that there was a season where I was just like, I'm just, hallelujah. And there were some weeks where it was like, Lord, if you don't help me. I'm two seconds from calling Dave and saying, listen, I need you to pray. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm having moments. Can, can, we, can I be honest with you? I'm a pastor, but I'm going to tell you the truth, I'm human. And you know what happened? I prayed, and the Holy Spirit brought scripture to me, but the scripture was not, don't, don't, don't. You know what the scripture was? Do you know that you're dead to that? Do you know who you are? Do you know that you're dead in Christ and risen with Christ? Do you know that you're an overcomer? Do you know that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world? Do you know? So the priesthood says this in the new covenants. The Holy Spirit is not resting on and overshadowing. The Holy Spirit is resting in me, enabling me not to need an outside sacrifice where I split, you know, put blood on me, but to live in such a way where I am the sacrifice. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, because of everything that he's done for me, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then don't get conformed to this world. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Are you seeing what's where this is going? Set your minds on things above, not on the earth beneath. How do you have victory over sexual sin? You take your mind and you put it on Jesus Christ. And there will be days, hold on, there will be days when you will be weak. And when you're weak, you say, Lord, help me to put my mind back on Jesus Christ. Because I recognize that I'm a priest and you paid for me and you died for me and I'm holy and I'm royal. But I don't feel like living that way right now. So if I don't have your help, I'm not going to make it. And do you know what? He will show up every single time. Woo! I'm a living witness. He will show up every single time. Every single time. So, put away 
these things on our earthly, impure, the passions, the evil desires. Huh? Evil concupiscence, as it says in, in the King James. Put away those things. Mortify your flesh. You cannot do this on your own. You're going to need, just like Mary, something's missing in order for me to produce holiness. First of all, I didn't even have nobody. And second of all, you know, how are we going to be, you know, how is it going to be this Messiah? Well, the Holy Spirit shall overshadow you. Here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is in you. You have two things already. You have the word and you have the power. And that is through the Holy Spirit. You don't need anything else. And when you get weak, you say, Lord, I need your help. Amen. Lord, take this thing from me. No, my grace is sufficient. Right, can't you make this easier? No, sit here and get stronger. Lift up this weight. Huh? Let that faith get stronger. You, how's that happening? Well, you helped me yesterday. I guess you'll be there for me today. And I guess you'll be there for me tomorrow. I'm starting to recognize that you're faithful. <laughs> and, and when it comes up again, you get stronger. There's program responses that the Holy Spirit will give you. You'll get stronger and stronger and stronger in that. And the whole idea is so that when people see Christians, they will see a difference. You may not like how I'm living. You may persecute me for how I'm living. But I'm going to live for God because he paid for me. You don't have to like me. I may be persecuted for this thing. I may be strange for this thing. But I'm going to do it because God called me to do it. Because I'm a priest. Amen? That's who I am. I'm done. Amen.